Together here in this space, we're going to dig into God's Word as well. We're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn with me there, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, if, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as uh, we together, the people of God, hear the Word of God this day. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and following. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word offered to us. The people of God is reading and in its hearing. So we together give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Uh, would you bow with me forward of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to have this time with your word and to be confronted by the power and truth contained therein. I ask, O oh God, that you would make yourself known to us in this space and this time by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds we come to know, understand the depth of your heart for us. Lord, open our hands that we might offer grace to the world. We pray this as the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things that I have been so anxious to share with you is, is how I have been newly confronted with how alive and powerful God's word is. God's word is abounding in truth for us and it meets us in our everyday lives. Now, now I find myself at times in, in, in my hubris and arrogance considering that, that my life is so unique and my context so original and, and history has, has shifted such that the word might not be able to apply in, in any depth or, or, or transformative work in my life. False. False. The Word of God continues to meet us today in this world, in your lives, if we but open it, trusting that God's Word is there available for us. I, I, I spent time in the Word all throughout my nine-week sabbatical journey, and I was confronted by, by how outstanding it was that I could approach a, a text, oftentimes that I had preached multiple times over, and be struck, be struck by the power and working of the Holy Spirit that God had a unique word 
for me that day? Do we really trust that God's word has transforming, applicable power for us? Or is it another English literary document or a historical reckoning? I am more convinced than ever before that this word of God is alive and able to transform our lives today. And one of the reasons why I know this to be true is because I approached this text today, this, this word from Paul to a church in, in Philippi, to a people that, that are gathered, disciples that, 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 that he is connected with because he was a part of planting this ministry. And there in that space, my heart is as his heart in a new and fresh and unique way. I hear the words of Paul for the church, and I hear my words for you as the church just echoing through the generations. It's not something that, that, that I have written or recorded, but it's something that God has written on my heart just as he wrote it on Paul's. It's such an intense and intentional greeting that Paul has. And, and, it, and it's clarified. It's clarified by, by distance. And, and I'm more clear on that than ever before that distance brings clarity. Do, do you know that? That distance brings clarity. I was gone for nine weeks, and I was uh, three weeks into my journey, and I was sitting in a campsite in Yellowstone, and I had had a, a beautiful morning. I woke up to the birds and the chipmunks. By the way, the chipmunks are louder than the birds in most of these national parks in the Mountain Northwest. And they, like, they toy with you. They, like, get over your tent, and they, like, start singing and dancing right over the top of you. And you, like, move, and then they, like, scurry away. It's so frustrating and beautiful all at the same time. I didn't have a weapon with me, but if I did, there would be dead chipmunks. So, <laughs> uh, so, so we're there in that, in, that, in that space. We're, as in me, me and the Holy Spirit and the Lord, we're in that beautiful morning. I woke up to this, this sound of nature, and I had a grand breakfast. By the way, I didn't lose any weight, even though I hiked over 100 miles. didn't lose any weight because I ate three slices of bacon, thick cut, Wright's brand bacon endorsement, and, uh, and, and, a, and a few eggs every morning, freaking fantastic, and I'm sitting there at the, you know, morning campfire, not the big one in the evening, but the morning one with my feet being warmed by the fire. I'm spending time in prayer with God. I'm reading God's word, and I open up my journal, and after three weeks of sabbatical, I write, I'm at peace. I didn't know how far or how long it would take for me to find that space of peace. And I know many of you have never had the opportunity to go on a sabbatical, and my heart for you is that you would because I believe that distance provides clarity, and there's a distance of time that can provide clarity. And some of you have experienced uh, an unattended sabbatical, a sabbatical not of your own planning or choosing, where you've been in between jobs. And maybe you can recall those spaces in between where time starts to elapse such that there's more and more clarity. Even in the midst of some of the torment, there's clarity that develops of who you are and who God is and who you are in God's grand 
plan. I was at peace, three weeks in, peace. You would think that I might have felt it sooner. I, I said, how long does it take you to find peace whenever you get away? In the first service, someone said 10 days. I said, you're better than me. It took me 21. <laughs> and then I, I find that distance of time is coupled with a distance of space. And the distance of space can also produce clarity. I drove 5,000 miles just in the wilderness portion of my journey. I love driving. Driving is like a love language that God has for me, right? Like uh, Lauren, my wife, knows not to try to take the steering wheel from me just because she loves me. She's blessing me with the gift of being able to drive. I love driving. I drove 5,000 miles, and I saw uh, the world in ways that I'd never seen before. I, I saw things that were surprising. I had no clue that Wyoming was beautiful. Uh, I thought Wyoming was like Kansas Plus, okay, uh, which is beautiful in its own unique way. But, but Wyoming was just magnificent coming off of, the, off of the Rockies and down through the plains and through different hills and formations. Glorious. But you know what was the best sight? When I pulled off the highway and I pulled into to Creekside. And I was home. As a kid growing up, I, I'm, growing up, I moved a lot. And you know, when people say, where are you from? Uh, I'd always have to pick a place. And I would pick the most advantageous, advantageous place that I could, right? If I was talking to someone that was like from like coastal area, I'd be like, yeah, I'm from Wharton. If I was talking to someone that had a little Louisiana in them, I'd be like, yeah, I'm from like I'm from the Golden Triangle, and they knew it exactly what I was talking about. I'd pick a spot that I thought like, would resonate with those people because we moved a lot. I've lived in Creekside twice as long as I've lived anywhere else in my entire life. And it's home. And it's been home for my family, which is a gift I never expected to be able to give them as an itinerant Methodist pastor, right? <laughs> Any of you that have been around the Methodist church, pastors tend to like do the little thing, right? But, you know, Aiden started kindergarten here and he's a sophomore this year. I think about what this is to be at home. Distance can provide clarity. And I believe that's what Paul was experiencing as he was writing to the church of Philippi. He had been experiencing a distance of time and of space and the Holy Spirit worked within that to clear some things up and identify exactly who he was and where he was with God in relationship to that church. And my heart is as Paul's heart. As he says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. I, I have you in my heart. I can't tell you the number of times over the course of my sabbatical where, where I would be experiencing something or I would be reading something or journaling something and all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit would wash over me and, and I would be confronted with the truth that I wasn't alone even though I was alone. You know, and, and, and I'm not just talking about the fact that, that, that God is always present with us, that Jesus lives in us, the people of God, and the Holy Spirit uh, is present with us. I'm talking about you were with me while I was on sabbatical. And I felt that, 
uh, through the letters that so many of you wrote me that I carried with you on the journey. Now, some of them, the letters were like, don't die or don't go crazy. And I appreciate the heartfelt sentiment of that, but I also appreciated the power of the prayers that you were lifting up over me. So for those of you, the people of God who've been praying for me, I want you to know that it was just another way that even with space and time, I knew that you were in my heart. Do you see the power of Paul's language in that verse 7? He talks about uh, you being uh, in the the, the pastor's heart, but then he also lays forth a a reasoning for this, and it has power for you as well. He says, uh, we're in one another's heart if we are or when we are together bound up in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who has experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you as the people of God carry in your heart. And, and you, could, you could kind of let that rest with you, and some of it's quite obvious. Those that you're in covenant relationships with, where there's accountability and where there's, there's pressing on towards holiness, you, you get what that is like, and you could see how God has placed those people in your life so that they could go with you wherever you are. But then there's, then there's those that are in your small group, so those that are in, in, in your church family. But it is bigger than that for Paul and for us. What he's saying in verse 7 is the people of God, everyone who experiences God's grace in Jesus Christ is with you. What a powerful word for us who so often feel isolated and alone, who feel as though maybe we're walking through a shadow or through a valley, through some sort of darkness alone. And then we're reminded that we are not alone. God is with us and God is with us through the people of God, physically and spiritually. We discount that far too often. The spiritual presence of God in the people always walking and journeying with us. I pray that you will feel that and know that so you would know you're not alone. Paul writes about how thankful he is uh, for this people, the church of Philippi. He, He says that every time he even thinks about them, he's just springs to thanksgiving. Like that's his visceral reaction and response. It just rises up within him, thanks. And it's thanks that's filled with joy. And this joy comes with, with a confidence. In verse, verse 3, it says that, that he's confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. This is, this is a, a promise of sorts that that God is bringing forth to Paul and giving him confidence. But before that, in verse 5, I want you to hear this. In verse 5, Paul writes that he is filled with joy and thanksgiving because of the partnership that he has with the church. The partnership he has with the church. You see, this, this partnership is one where uh, he knows and is confident that he is not alone in the work of ministry. 
Uh, he, he knows that while he is the planting pastor, uh, he is going to leave and the fellowship must continue when he's gone. The mission and ministry must continue when he's gone. I walked in this morning and I was not surprised or astounded that the building still stood or the lights were still on or that people showed up. Do you know why? Because it's never been about me. It's always been about Jesus. And I know some of you are thinking, but Jason, uh, I, I, really, I really enjoy you being around. Well, fine, good. I enjoy you too, but it's not about me and it's not about the way we enjoy one another. It's entirely about the partnership we share in in the gospel. That I don't do this alone and you don't do this alone, but God has bound us together one with another to be on mission and ministry in the world. He's called us to build a community connecting in Christ. And, and that, that work is not about any individual or small group or council or, or, or ministry team. It's about all of us working together for the gospel. I love Paul's clarity on the truth that it's not about him. It's all about the partnership we share in in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And then we have this promise of which I spoke. We're going to dig into it. And then a prayer from Paul. Paul lines out a promise and a prayer. The promise is, is the promise of God that he knows in verse 6 that, that this thanksgiving and joy it is about the fact that God is going to bring to completion that which he started. Bring to completion that which he started. I want you to hear, we've just begun. We're not done. We're not to get complacent or to grow satisfied with any success, but we're always aiming at a particular mission. God's not done with us. We're 10 years of ministry in together at Covenant, and we're aiming at what is God going to do in these next 10 years and the 10 years after that and after that and beyond. And God is always going to be, we're confident by the promise of God's word, God is always going to be working towards completion in us and through us. What does that look like? We're called to build a community connecting in Christ for us as individuals. For us as individuals, that, that means that, that we are to be in community, that we're not to stay in isolation, that we're to be in fellowship one with another, that we don't come in on Sundays anonymous and leave anonymous, but yet we enter into fellowship so that we could be on mission and ministry together. It means that we're going to be intentionally connecting in Christ individually, that we're going to grow in holiness, that we're going to be empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to dig into God's word, that we're going to worship, that we're going to pray, that we're going to do the things that it takes to fill our spiritual lives so that we could have something to bless the world with. That promise that God is bringing to completion, that work he began in us, it's also corporate. It's a work that, that we share in together. What does it look like for us to build a community connecting in Christ? I guarantee that work's not done. 
I know it's not. I know it's not because I live in this community like you live in this community. I have neighbors just as you have neighbors. And I know that there is pain and brokenness, that there is, there is need for grace and forgiveness. There, there is need for a release from shame. There's a need for fellowship and community all around us. And so I, I ask you this question. What would it look like, for real, pause for a moment. What would it look like if this community, your community, was really, truly, authentically connected in Christ. And for some of you, like, you immediately spark to the ways in which it is. Glory to God. Thanks be to God. But now let's also allow our mind's eye to shift to what would be different. How would relationships be fostered? How would healing be received? How would we be one with each other in new and fresh, extraordinary ways? Those specific opportunities that came to your mind, that is a representation of God's call on your life. And God's call on our life together. So that's the promise. God is accomplishing it. Not maybe, not possibly, not if, if something happens with the Delta variant and God intercedes there. Not, not whenever everything is, is resolved in your life or your home life or when some like grand other thing, external force intercedes. It's all about what God is promising he's accomplishing. And the only thing we need to intercede is the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. That's the promise of God that Paul received and it resonates with me afresh today. But here's his prayer. His prayer is verse 9 through 11. His prayer in verse 9 is simply summarized that love would abound, that love would just fill us up, that we would be so filled with love that it's abounding, that it is, it is kind of leaping forth from us out into the world around us, that it cannot be contained or hoarded because it's just that full and rich. But if you have your Bibles, I, I underline the first two words of verse 10. I love these words, and when I see them in Scripture, I always am uh, awakened to what is taking place here. So that, so that love is not to abound in us for our own benefit alone. There is purpose to that. There is ascending forth in that. Love abounds in us so that, and then here's what it says. Did, did you? Did you hear earlier? Love abounds in us so that you can discern what is best. You could discern what is best. It is so simple for us to settle for good or good enough. No more. 
I can't stand good or good enough any longer because it's about God's best. And we're called when we experience love to, to see that and to be clear on that and to move towards that because God's best is better than we could even imagine. Are you ready for God's best? Do you want God's best? Are you willing to look for it? Are you sad or are you satisfied in the stillness of that stale good enough? You know, whenever I was on sabbatical, uh, particularly in the wilderness, Rebecca Adams did a glorious, glorious thing. She gifted me with a binder that had all of the things I was going to do every day. Now, I think for the wilderness portion, part of it was she wanted to be sure I didn't get eaten, which is understandable. Totally go with that. It had like where I was camping, what hikes I was going to do. And every day I just opened the binder and knew I'm hiking that. And that's great. And, and she and I built it together. And, 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 and I designed so much of the hiking experiences. And so, you know, I thought if I designed it, it's great, right? Not just good, it's great because I did it. That, I mean, right. Like, I mean, if you're building your own vacation, you're going to feel pretty good about it too, right? So this is sabbatical, not vacation. And I'm designing this to have different experiences. And I lay it all out one thing after another. Well, I have two days of hiking left. I'm in the Grand Tetons, and I'm at Jenny Lake. And uh, we just come down from, uh, from the waterfall on the backside of Jenny Lake. The Grand Tetons are rising off behind us, and we're waiting in line to be ferried. There was a, like, a little, like a little ship ferrying us back and forth across the lake. And I was like, man, that's pretty dope. I need to do that. So we're, we're in line, but the line is long and it's hot. And in front of me uh, are two like 20-something uh, brother and sister uh, and then behind me, it's a grandmother and her son, who's just like totally yoked up and monstrous, and her granddaughter, just the three of them. And, and so like uh, we're having like a little bit of conversation, but not a whole lot. And then we get to the stage right before we get on the ferry where like there's benches and we're seated waiting for the ferry. And so now that we're seated, the conversation starts to spark a little bit more. Maybe like a little fellowship space was happening. And we were talking about where we had hiked, where we were going, where we were going to hike. Uh, it, the, the young couple was going to Yellowstone for a day. We had just been to Yellowstone. So we started talking about what we hiked and talking about Yellowstone being the Disney World of National Parks. If you want more information about that. I'll tell you more about that later. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, then the grandmother behind me, who is like super fit, and I'm just like, sh sh I could tell she's my hero, and I want to be like her when I grow up someday. Uh, so she's, she interjects, and she starts having this conversation with us about where to hike, and she's local. She lives on the Idaho side of the Grand Tetons. And get this. She starts talking to the young brother and sister in front of us and intentionally is not talking to me whenever she says, I have a hike you have to do. <laughs> she, and she, she, says, she says, I'm from this area and I'm from the Idaho side of the Grand Tetons. If you get a chance, the number one hike you have to do is the Darby Wind Cave. You got to do it. It's unbelievable. She starts describing it. And again, she's talking over me. And she says, she says it's strenuous. It's very challenging. But it has the most magnificent payoff. You got to do it. 
So we get off the ferry on the other side, and I look at my dad and said, tomorrow we're hiking the Darby Wind Cave Canyon. And while I was on that hike, over and over again, I was struck by how much better this was than anything else I could have planned for myself. God, God, God literally put this grandmother in my life and, she, and God knew that she did not need to talk to me because if she talked over me, I was gonna do it. If she talked to me, I would probably have stuck to my plan because my plan was better than her plan. But it was orchestrated by God's providence and grace in such a magnificent way that I was able to see not just good, not just great, but the best. Are we satisfied with good or good enough such that we fail to even reach for the best that God has for us? Paul's prayer for his people is that they would abound in love such that they would be able to see his best for the world. May our eyes be so opened this day as well that we're no longer satisfied with a false sense of contentment, but rather we lean in to God's grand vision for our lives and for our church and for our community such that we walk hand in hand, not trusting someone else to pick up the mantle, but knowing that God has placed the mantle on all of us together to build a community connecting in Christ. We are partners in this ministry together. I'm excited about what God has for us this fall and this year and the years to come because the work that God began in us is not over yet. Glory to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, what a profound gift it is to know that you have a work for us to do, Lord, that, that you don't sit us on the bench or on the sideline, but we are in the game on your behalf in the world, Lord, we pray that you would move in us, that you would give us a, a grand love for our neighbors such that we, we, we would not be able to even conceive of, of setting ourselves at, uh, apart from them, but we must be one with our neighbors in love. Lord, I pray, I pray for the mission and ministry of covenant, the work that you've set us to. Lord, I pray your blessing upon it. I pray that you would move in our midst. And Lord, I trust in you. I trust that you are bringing it to completion, that you are actively at work in this very moment amongst this very people to bring it to completion. Lord, your best is what we desire. Your best is what we seek after. Open our eyes to it. Let us discern it and let us work for it. We pray as a people of God in Jesus' name.